0: Welcome to Rich Black Woman, your destination to enlighten your life from the inside out, where we empower you to to be be rich rich in mind, mind, body, and bank. bank. Now, here's your host, Yaz.
1: Welcome to Rich Black Woman, where we empower women to be rich in mind, body, and bank. I'm your host, Yaz, creator and founder of Rich Black Woman. And I'm excited to bring you inspiring guests from around the world who will enrich your life from the inside out. Every week we talk with change makers who will nourish your soul, your intellect and enrich your bottom line. Ladies, it's time to bring the bank. I'm delighted for us to be enriched by our next guest. Her name is Ashanti Golar. She is the founder of the Brown Girls Guide to Politics and the CEO of AFG Consulting. She serves as a political director for Emerge America, the only organization dedicated to recruiting and training Democratic women to run for office. For 15 years, Ashanti has been a grassroots organizer and activist for women, communities of color, and for progressive causes. Ashanti served also as the national deputy director of community engagement and director of African-American engagement for the Democratic National Committee. Ashanti also served as a political appointee in the Obama administration at the U.S. Department of Labor. And uh, she was also a director of public engagement for the 2012 Democratic National Convention Committee in Charlotte, North Carolina. Ashanti backs up all of this experience with some awesome credentials. She's got a bachelor's degree in political science and a master's of science degree in industrial and organizational psychology, with an emphasis on leadership development and women in leadership. Ashanti was named a top woman of color and policy by Walker's Legacy as well. Welcome to the Rich Black Women podcast, Ashanti. Thank you
0: so much. I'm just so thrilled to be here.
1: Yeah, well, I I definitely wanted to give you your credentials and your credibility and just your experience um is amazing. And definitely Black Girl Magic combined with Black Excellence. So I always like to read however lengthy the bios may be, just the extraordinary credentials that the guests have that are on the Rich Black Women Podcast. And today, it's really timely that we talk about um, in this year of 2018 and as we're closing into the fall and really um, actually the spring primaries um, for elections and voting in and voting out different leaders across the country. There's a lot of momentum that we've seen in changing seats um, by representatives and in Congress and I really thought that you being the founder of Brown Girls Guide to Politics could kind of help us break down, like, how do we um, approach being active in our communities? And so some might ask, you know, well, what does this have to do with, um, you know, the rich black woman podcast mission? Well, it's got a lot to do with it because we can't live enriched lives if we don't have a voice at the table where legislative policies are being made that impact our lives and our ability to A, have wealth and influence, but B, to maintain our own civil rights. And we see this huge backlash right now under this administration unfortunately, of just basic civil rights, things that we have worked so hard for are now literally being rolled back before us. And so sometimes I wonder, is it 2018 or is it 1918, Ashanti? So tell us, how can we make it be 2018 and beyond? Tell us, what do you do with the Brown Girl's Guide to Politics?
0: What you just said is so true, and it's a question that I get a lot, is people are like, no, how is this happen? You know, what's going on in the country? And the fact is, in the 2016 presidential election, you saw black women vote for Hillary Clinton at 94%. And I tell people that, Black women were woke at that time. We knew what would happen if Donald Trump was elected president. You know, a lot of women went out after the inauguration for the Women's March and they're like, this invigorated us. We knew that we need to make change. Black women always know that we have to make change, that there's always so much at stake. And when I came up with a guy the idea for the Brown Girl's Guide to Politics, it's because I know I am very fortunate to live in this world, to have been able to build a career in this world. And there's lots of women, particularly women of color, that want to know how can they make a difference. And there's so many ways to do that because this is all temporary. And I tell people that. And we're already seeing change starting to occur just over the past year and a half with so many amazing people who have been elected to office and they've challenged people who have had these negative ideas. And so even today, there are big primaries in Pennsylvania, Oregon, Nebraska, and in Idaho. In Idaho, you have, you know, Paulette Jordan, who is running to be the first Native American woman governor. Oh, wow. And, and we're seeing stories like that. All across the country, and, and what do you as, think
1: is, what do you think the reason for that tide is? What now is
0: spurring that that change? I think particularly for women of color and Black women, it's the fact that we don't always have to be voting for the candidates who are going to do a good job. We can be the candidates that are going to do a good job. It's important for us to also put our name on the ballot. Something I talk about all the time is that there's this myth that Women of color can only represent districts where the people look like them. Mm. And that is absolutely false. Yeah. If we live in a community, it's a great community, and we feel we can make a difference in that community, we should run for office and we should talk to our neighbors. We should talk to teachers. We should talk to senior citizens and let them know there's a lot more that we have in common than divides us. And I want to do good. And you can absolutely get elected to office. So that, that's just a myth. I tell people don't say that. Well, I live in a majority white district, so I can't run that's completely false because then we really wouldn't see women of color elected in so many of these positions. But something that we should also be looking at is if you do live in a district that is predominantly people of color, has there ever been anyone that looks like you on the school board? Has there ever been anyone that looks like you on the city council, on the county commission? Is it time to diversify it in that way? Because there are so many seats, commissions, boards, councils across this country where there has never been a woman who has served and there's also never been a woman of color that has served. So we, we are seeing that now women are actually taking power and control into our own hands. We're not waiting for people to ask us to run. We're stepping up and running because we know that we are the best candidate and we know that we will be great elected officials.
1: Yeah, I love that. I love how you frame that. Two points that I hear you making. One, don't think that the reflection back by your community has to look like you because after all, president Obama actually made that he, he busted that myth, right? You know, the majority of the country is not African American and yet he was elected to office. So with a diverse coalition, absolutely behind him. Mm -hmm. Right. And then secondly, I love the emphasis that you put on. We're not waiting anymore. We're realizing that we can be, the change makers, and that we have the ability to do so. Because that's something that I have um, really seen kind of take forward is this notion that, you know, women can't lead. And what I love about the momentum over the past year and a half, as we've seen this kind of growing wave of women up front, is that women are saying, hey, we don't have to ask for permission. You know, let's take authority and let's take that our rightful leadership roles because we can lead. Um, what do you say to women who might be on the fence for running for office or thinking, um, you know, that they
0: don't have what it takes? And then also, can you address like the financial aspects absolutely so i get that question all the time and i have women say to me all the time well i don't think i'm the type of person who should run could run for a political office and i always say to women okay think about everything that you did today before we have this conversation you took care of yourself you probably took care of family you went to work you did something in your community you did all of these things that required leadership, that required balance, that required getting things done. Those are all the skills that you need to run for elected office. Mm -hmm. We as women are uniquely qualified to get this done. And when women are in office, governance is just different. We're more consensus driven. We're more collaborative. We introduce more bills. We co-sponsor more bills. But in all, we look after everyone in the community. We just don't care about, oh, well, you know, this is the side of town that got me elected, so I need to make sure, you know, they get their parks, their roads. We're like, no, let's look overall at the roads. How do we take care of our veterans? How we take care of homeless? Let's look at equal pay. Let's look at family leave. And so many people want to say, well, when women in Are in office, they care about women's issues. They do, but at the end of the day, women's issues are family issues, are community issues. So it runs the gamut and we're able to get things done. And there's always the big conversation about money. Well, it just costs so much money just to run for office. There are 520,000 elected positions in this country, Mm. 70% of them are occupied by men. Wow. majority white men. Mm-hmm. There are offices where you only need to raise a couple of thousand of dollars to okay. win.
1: We can do that quickly with a crowdfunding site. Exactly. GoFundMe.
0: <laughs> you can do your GoFundMe. There's CrowdPack. There's something you can raise the money. And there are those races that are more expensive, but you can still raise the money for that. Everyone who is raising money as a politician at some point had to learn how to raise money. Mm-hmm. If they can raise money, you can learn how to raise money. You know, I always joke the thing I hate about politics the most is raising money. But when it comes to it, I can get it done when I need to get it done. And there's just also so many trainings that you can take from Vote Run Lee, She Should Run, Emerge America, where I currently serve as the political director that teaches women the ins and outs of running for office from the fundraising to the public speaking to hiring a campaign staff, how to get endorsements. And it is overwhelming because running for office is hard. If it was easy, everyone would do it. But don't let it intimidate you because there are so many resources out there.
1: Right. A lot so you- of
0: women, yeah, and a lot of women when they do run for the first time, they are heavily outspent. But what you don't have in dollars, you can make up in knocking doors mm. because not everyone who is an elected office had the most money in the bank. They had the most compelling message, and they at the end of the day were the people that their constituents wanted in office.
1: Right. Now repeat those. You mentioned Emerge America and a couple of other resources, Ashanti, that people can utilize to basically not have to reinvent the wheel, right? Kind of templates to go to get them jump started.
0: Yep. There's Emerge America where I work. We are currently in 25 states, half the country, you know, uh, just to relate it to politics. Currently, we have an affiliate in Alabama and This year, there are a record number of black women running in Alabama, and we are super excited that we have trained many of those women, and they are beyond fabulous, and they're running for Congress, for state legislature, for commission, and it really makes my heart sing because those were women who helped Doug Jones get elected. I mean, we're going to make it very Clear, because a lot of people like to argue with me on this. Black women got Doug Jones elected. Yes, we did. <laughs> and... Now they're stepping up and saying, okay, I helped Doug Jones, but it's also important for me to do work here on the local level. There is She Should Run. They do their courses online. So for the women who are listening, they're like, but but I don't have the time, Ashanti. I just I don't have the time to sit down for a training. You can go to Vote Run Lead, too. And they have online trainings as well. So between Emerge America, Vote Run Lead, She Should Run, we absolutely have you covered. Bird to get the skills that you need to start along this journey
1: that's awesome i'm definitely feeling and seeing actually in my own local district more uh women running i noticed a local um asian woman of color running for an office and it's very interesting that you mentioned that we are able to do it all being women and i think um in terms of just the fact of so many things that we do, where we we're multitasking, you're getting uh, kids together for school, you're paying bills. There's all these administrative things, and to your point, you know, you don't have to be a rocket scientist to run for office, and that's clear that most of the people currently in office are not rocket, rocket scientists because we're still dealing with the same <laughs> problems, you know, for
0: sure, so. so. yeah.
1: <laughs> and honestly, what I think this last, you know, two years has shown me is just that we we have dropped the ball and letting other people lead for us who are not leaders. I mean, mm-hmm. sometimes I have been astounded by um, some of the inarticulateness the inability really to, um, you know, uh, grab people in terms of their attention and just kind of the ordinariness or even subpar, like mediocrity of some yeah. of the <laughs> elected officials that we see on TV, you know, and you're just like, oh, my gosh, if that guy can get elected, I know I could get elected, you know, because I sound better than that with my, you know, five year old or, you know, and so I think that that's a good point to point out, because women, we often think that we have to have so many more credentials or so much mm-hmm. more experience. Yep. And men just often, they feel confident, and they're just going to run, you know, um, yeah. and they don't have that um, breadth of experience that a lot of women actually bring to the table. I do feel like there's this rise of the woman. And, you know, just from even We've got down in Georgia, Stacey Abrams. Yeah. You know, running for governor. Abrams. Yeah. Yes. And I know recently it made national news that Latoya Cantrell, who's the first African-American woman mayor for New Orleans, um, recently voted into office as well. Um, and so I, I hope that what we see is that we step up and not let others lead for us because what's happening is I think we just took for granted that everyone had a, you know, a basic level of decency mm-hmm. who runs for office. And what this Trump administration has really shown is that uh, that's not true. And we actually cannot just wait and let others lead and do the right thing. We have to be there to ensure that people are doing the right thing.
0: Um, Absolutely. And, you know, you talked about a lot of these elected officials and we're like, how in the world did that person get elected? Mm-hmm. Most of these people ran unopposed. Oh, That's when they got elected. Yeah. Is you know, stepping up to run. Right. So and when women run for office, they do win at equal rates as men, but not enough women are running. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So to see more women in office, we have to run. And men, you know, they do wake up and they say, you know what? I've never held elected office. All I've done is marry three women, bankrupt (laughs) businesses, you know, send out a lot of filed tweets. I deserve to be president of the United States. I'm going to run. And women, we wake up, they're like, "Mm, do I have enough education? Am I in the right job? Am I smart enough? Am I pretty enough? We talk ourselves out of it immediately. Yeah. And the thing is, if the man sitting in the White House is qualified to run for office, then you are qualified to run for office. Everybody
1: run for office. Yes. (laughs) I don't care if it's the dog catcher or what. Everybody needs to be running for something. And sometimes yes. maybe it's just to try, you know, and challenge yes. yourself um, because you do have an interest or even getting involved. You know, are there some baby steps that people can take? Like perhaps, you know, being an elected official on their city council is seems overwhelming. Are there some kind of other local I don't want to say low level because I don't think anything is, you know, a low level, but, you know, um, perhaps maybe just an entree. You know, into politics. Is it like being a part of a commission or being a part of, um, you know, some type of city commission, parks and recreation? Are those opportunities for women as well?
0: Absolutely. I love talking about appointments to boards and commissions at the state level, the government, the governor does appointments, and also at the local level. There are so many vacancies for these commissions and boards. So many local municipalities are begging people like, please join, help us. This is a great way to start to enter politics because you get to pick what you love. If it's the environment, if it's women's rights, if it's education, if it's criminal justice reform, Find one of those commissions or boards that allows you to serve and gain more experience in which you get to learn how your local government operates and when it's time run or if it never becomes that time and you're super thrilled with what you're accomplishing on that board and commission still continue to serve, but also bring other brown girls along with you. Mm -hmm. So you're making sure there's that diversity of representation on those boards and commissions because the majority of the time there isn't because people that look like us don't apply. So that's a great opportunity to get involved. And people ask me all the time, well, how did you get involved, Ashanti? I volunteered. I found a local candidate that I liked, was interested in. Started volunteering on her campaign, started volunteering on multiple campaigns. Before I knew it, I was offered a job and then I was offered another job in DC. And honestly, it was volunteering, knocking doors, phone banking, stuffing envelopes, taking Mm -hmm. out the trash that got me here. And most people think, well, is that really helpful? You know, volunteering. It absolutely is because The biggest campaign that I worked on that was super close was when Senator Harry Reid was running for U.S. Senate against then Congressman John Ensign. So long story short, Harry Reid won that Senate election, U.S. Senate statewide, by less than 450 votes. Wow. So every vote counts, people. Do not stay home. Yes. Not only does every vote count, but his team of volunteers helped him get there. And that is, and I was volunteering when I was in high school, so I couldn't vote yet, Uh but I knew I was still making a difference, influencing an election. So also shouldn't write off the power of volunteering. Yeah.
1: Well, and you hit on a good point that I wanted to um, get your thoughts on, and that is you know, you said you got started even as a high schooler. And right now we're seeing this wave of young people also be really engaged. So the millennials and the centennials from, you know, the unfortunate tragedy that happened um, in Florida and Parkland um, with the untimely deaths of those young people. And seeing then now this coalition of young people of all different backgrounds come together and push forward, um, you know, and challenging local elected officials. And many of them were not yet able to vote. And now some of them are. Um, and what would you say to, you know, moms who are listening to this in terms of being able to get their young, you know, children, um, their teenagers, those folks going off to college engaged and involved? Because I feel like as women, as, you know, we have influence over our partners, you know, um,
0: and getting them engaged and definitely our children.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So, one of the things that I talk about when I give political presentations is the rising American electorate. And this is the next generation of voters, and they are young, they are majority women, and they're also of color. So, these are going to be the people You know, within the next few years, who are not only voting, who are going to start running for elected office. And they are what the country is going to look like in the future. So for me, when I saw the Parkland students, it just warmed my heart to see them standing up and fighting for this. I love the fact that they were so self-aware with the publicity that they're getting. They're like, wait, why are you paying this much attention to us, but not To Black Lives Matter Mm -hmm. and the other kids that don't look like us that are facing the same things and brought them in to the conversation. Right. It's important to let your kids know that they may not see it now, they may not feel it now, but politics impacts every single day, every single part of their lives, especially for people of color. For us, politics isn't something where it's a viewpoint. For us, it really drives our existence. Everything about our lives as people of color is political. Yeah. And if we aren't involved, that means that someone else is going to make that decision, good or bad. As recently at the United States of Women's Summit, and okay. there was a black women's panel moderated by Angela Rye. It had Glenda Carr from Higher Heights and Mayor Asia Brown from Compton. And she's a young mayor. And she talks about how, and I loved how brutally honest she was. She said, there's basically all of these senior citizens who are showing up and trying to decide everything that happens in the city. And I'm trying to remind them, like you're only going to be here a few more years. (laughs) Right. you're trying to influence everything to work for you, but I need to make sure that I'm doing things for the next generation, and she was very honest that, like, look, young black people, just because there's a black people coming to these meetings, you know, talking, fighting, they're not representing your interests. They're representing theirs, right. so Don't assume because someone looks like you is showing up to the meetings and they're in the room that they're really going to care about what you care about. You need to be in the room as well. And that is something we absolutely have to teach our young people. And just the more informed you are about politics, just the better decisions you're able to make when you start voting for candidates. And you should absolutely question candidates, too. Right. Like. Know where they stand on the economy, on healthcare, environmental issues. Something I'm very passionate about is criminal justice reform. 90% 90 of prosecutors are white men.
1: Yeah, we need to change that one.
0: We have to. Just more women in law enforcement because we can't talk about changing the criminal justice system without changing the faces of the people who make criminal justice decisions. Absolutely so you have to educate yourself, you know, just as soon as you can. And it's just not voting no longer is enough. Is like yeah. you really have to take the time, the energy to be present and what's happening politically in your community.
1: I love that because we see voting as kind of a bare minimum. And to your point, voting is no longer enough. There are all these other kind of Forces that are, you know, being kind of thrust upon, uh, us people of color and we, we don't have the luxury, unfortunately, to check out. We need to keep abreast of what's going on around us. Um, even if it means just checking in, you know, I know some people, some of my friends who, um, you know, did, decided not to vote, you know, um, or sometimes, um, we can get a little too over, uh, over philosophical, right? Mm-hmm. So I heard some people say, well, Hillary and Trump, they kind of both stand for the same thing. They're
0: both, uh, you know, the same side of the coin. Yeah.
1: And I was like, mm, <laughs> no, first of all, uh, one person we could probably work with, the other person, we now see who they really, really are, you know, and we knew that ahead of time. But a lot of people kind of over philosophized, you know, oh, they're the same. And we lost that vote, you know, and so there are a lot of people who I think. Um, are overthinking things, too. Like sometimes you need to just make a decision in a chess game, you know, and see who is the best person for this time. And then we can work on shaping and molding other things that we want to get out of this person. Um, but, you know, if you vote in the wrong person, you're not going to have any ability to, you know, help, hold them accountable and to push them towards doing what's right for our community and our
0: larger society. And we see that happening now, you know? You know, I tell people all the time I voted, so I have a right to complain the way that I do. Okay. You know, yeah.
1: and if you didn't vote, then shut up
0: <laughs> that, like that's how I feel. If you don't vote, you lose your right to complain Yeah. because you had the opportunity to make a decision to have your voice heard. And if we're going to act as if every single politician has to be perfect, then there's going to be nobody to vote for. OK, you know, that's just the reality. You have to choose someone and realize that they're going to be flawed. Humans are flawed. Yes. And, you know, just to put this in more context with black women, you mentioned Stacey Abrams. I'm a huge Stacey Abrams fan. I sit on her leadership council. I became enraged a few weeks ago when her opponents started attacking her saying, well, she has all of this debt. So she's not qualified to run for office. And I immediately thought, okay, so having debt makes you not qualified to run for office? Then that means the majority of this country right. is qualified to run for office. I mean, there was definitely some racism and sexism in the attack, but right. the bottom line message is they were saying that political office is only for a certain class of people in this country. Wow. That's yeah. what they were saying that you have to be rich, independently wealthy, you know, retired. You know, they were basic it was code for me for rich white man. Yep. You know, and that's not democracy. It is not
1: not democracy. And so that's what's really being threatened here, too. I think that we're with the Trump administration. We really realize how fragile democracy really is and how we don't have actually as many checks and balances that we thought were in place actually aren't there. You know, the fact that. Donald Trump could uh, not show his taxes. The fact that we we 've seen so many horrendous kind of rollbacks in just a matter of months shows us that we don 't necessarily have um, all the solid checks and balances that we thought we even had with three different you know branches of government and just how fragile. Um, our our political and our community life is, and so we oh, have yes. to be engaged in it. It's you know a matter of survival, and it's also a matter of being able to thrive. So, with that, I love what you're doing. How can people um, get engaged with your uh, Brown Girls Guide and platform? How would we do that?
0: Yeah, so you can visit our website. It is www dot the BG guide, so the BG for brown girls guide. Dot .com you can also just do a Google search for the Brown Girls Guide to Politics and it will pop up. We are constantly updating the website with events and resources for brown girls. We also have the blog series which features myself and other women of color involved in politics who are sharing advice and tips. Um, I actually love the blog that went up today. It's from Stephanie Olarte, who is a disabled Latina from Rhode Island. Oh wow. And she, yeah, and she actually talks about how her disability, her language barrier inspired her to be involved in politics yeah. because she realized that she was at a disadvantage and there were people that didn't look like her making decisions about her life when they didn't know anything about her life. It's a very inspiring blog post and she's someone that I'm so grateful to call a friend. We're also on Twitter and Facebook, also at The BG Guide. know, please give us a follow. And on our social media platforms, we're also sharing articles about brown girls in politics. We posted one today about um, Inclusive, they're an organization that is mentoring young people who want to get involved in politics, they are matching them with other brown people in politics. So for the parents listening, if you have a kid who's been looking to get involved, have them check out the inclusive platform, which is great. Uh, there was also an article about Senator Tammy Duckworth, you know, who was the first woman yeah. in the Senate to give birth and She's an Asian woman. She has a disability. She's absolutely inspiring. We share other sorts of information like that as well. And we really just hope this platform will be an opportunity for brown girls to gather, to huddle. We're going to start doing some webinar series to discuss political topics, be bringing on candidates. I think it's going to be something really exciting, and I hope other people find it exciting.
1: That's excellent. It sounds exciting. It's right on time and right on point for really taking a hold of what we should be taking a hold of. And I think I love how Ashanti, you spoke to really it's about us changing our mindset that we can be leaders. We are leaders. And so therefore, we should lead. And so I think sometimes we've been conditioned to think that other people um, are leading and we don't have a space and a place, but we do. We just have to take that space and that place. So thank you, Ashanti, for hooking us up with some valuable tips on how to get ourselves activated in our communities and leading to usher in good so that we can have a seat at the table, keep a seat, and then create several seats for other people. Don't forget to connect with us. Rich Black Woman on our social media. We are at Rich Black Woman and on Instagram and on Facebook we are at Rich Black Women. That's plural um, women. Share this podcast with your flossy posse, your crew, your family, your mom, your play cousin, your co-workers. Find us on iTunes, Stitcher, and tune in. And don't forget to leave a review. We so appreciate your words of encouragement. And with that, I want to thank Ashanti. And also, I will close with a quote from one of my personal favorite justice warriors and contemporary leaders of our time, the Honorable uh, Maxine Waters, uh, who just last week uh, expressed and showed us what it means to lead uh, to Representative Michael Mike Kelly, who had the audacity to say that discrimination doesn't exist and that by talking about it, we were being uh, divisive, And in the words of Her Royal Highness Maxine Waters, I do not yield not one second to you, not one second, Maxine Waters, for you all. Let her be a role model, an example for us to let's go out there and lead. And until then, this is your girl Yaz on Rich Black Woman.